welcome to Mobile Growth Nightmares, the podcast that shares and rips apart growth fuck-ups. Hosted by Andy from Feature, that's me, and Jessica from Paired. That's me. Behind every success, there are multiple mistakes, and this presents a fantastic opportunity for learning and improvement. However, mostly we only hear about the wins, so in this show, we do things a little differently. In every episode of Mobile Growth Nightmares, we'll invite a special guest from the industry to share a nightmare from their career and what they've learned from it. You can always find the latest episode of Mobile Growth Nightmares at mgnpodcast.com. That's mgnpodcast.com or on your favorite podcast platform. Well, we're just getting seated. I just want to say thanks, everyone, for, for sticking around for the, for the last session of the day. Uh, this is... a uh, you know, kind of supposed to be a fun session, kind of informal. We, uh, we like a bit of banter. Um, so, but yeah, hopefully we're also going to learn um, some, some good lessons from, uh, from Luke here. Um, so, yeah, welcome everyone. Uh, we're really excited to be on stage again. Um, as you know, Mobile Growth Nightmares is like one of the best podcasts about mobile apps, but we just publish once per year because we're so special. And I just wanted to ask Andy, do you know how long we've been running this? I actually don't, off the top of my head. It's got to be a few years now that we've been running the podcast. I feel so old. It's five years. Five years. Five years, five episodes. It's awesome. <laughs> it's like a, it must be a yeah, huge catalog of content we've created during that time, right? Exactly. So, yeah. But really excited that we're finally recording again. And I'm really excited about our guest today, Luke. Um, I met Luke many years ago in one of the best ways. There are two ways to meet an amazing person, either over beers or someone send you a message and say like, hey, you need to meet this guy because he's too smart. And that's what happened. So, I mean, expectation. Um, he's an expert on both paid and organic, and he has a passion for like scaling startup and helping like discovering and scaling new channels. So yeah, Luke, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Awesome. So tell us a bit more like a short intro about like who you are, what you do, what do you like? Okay, so I'm Luke. Uh, I'm head of acquisition at Project A. Uh, I've been working in marketing for about seven years now. Uh, I started just doing Facebook and being a Facebook slave for a few years, and then got into every channel I could get my hands on, Twitter, TikTok, ASO, whatever, whatever was there. Um, and yeah, I've worked in seven startups now, I think. Uh, so that's really good odds. Uh, a lot of them tend to go bankrupt uh, in the startup scene, so that's, that's why there's so many, I promise. Uh, and I've been working at Project A for two years, so in that time also working with about 10 different companies. Um, so yeah, real, real mixture. Uh, in terms of what I like uh, outside of marketing, snowboarding and cooking. Ooh, spicy. Did you, did you say snowboarding and cooking? Yeah, yeah. Go on then, what's your, what's your uh, signature dish? I would say two signature dishes, like a if ramen. You, if you say Italian, I'm gonna leave the stage. Oh, no, no, no. Okay. I mean, ramen from scratch, that was, that was pretty great. Um, probably, similar to your podcast, probably do that once a year, because <laughs> that's how long it takes to prepare. And then the other one is a really epic New York cheesecake. Wow. Nice. Where, where are they? Why are they not here? Yeah, yeah well, I, I thought it's hard enough to talk in front of this amount of people especially being recorded on camera without also eating. Um, so yeah, maybe next time. Okay, okay, understand. 
especially with, with no tables to, to eat off. Yeah, yeah, just do also just probably no, cut, no cutlery either, just like with your hands, just go face in. We'll, we'll, we'll do that next one, the next podcast. Um, okay, so look, uh, like a few follow-up questions. Like, tell us a bit more about Project A um, uh, uh, and a bit more about your role specifically within that. It sounded like to me when you described it earlier, uh, you're a bit like the, the Mr. Wolf of, um, of, of startup growth. Wow, okay, that's, that's something I need on a t-shirt at some point. Um, yeah, basically, so Project A is a, is a VC, um, so we, we invest in startups at different stages. Um, the weird part about Project A and why like, I ended up working there is we're an operational VC, meaning that we don't just give people money, wait five to 10 years and hope that they're successful. We actually do projects with them. We you know, set up marketing from scratch. Uh, we set up a data warehouse, whatever they need. Um, and my role there as head of acquisition, hopefully I'll get to change it to growth one day, uh, is basically to focus on exactly that. Like how can I take a company that maybe has four employees uh, and help them to develop a marketing strategy that can get them to accelerate as quickly as possible, find their customer group, find the right channel for them, whether that's TikTok, podcasts, or Twitch, uh, whatever kind of fits for them, um, and also then maybe help them grow the team and whatever they need, regardless of whether they're early stage or late stage. So you're trying to sort of accelerate their journey towards product market fit, as well as to understand the right channel mix that's going to work for them. Yeah, exactly. So if, if they're at that stage where they want to you know, understand their product market fit, then that will be kind of the task. Mm -hmm. Sometimes later on, it's like, you know, we've done really well with this set of channels. We've, we've reached a certain scale. What's next? Like, where should we be going? We want to do internationalization. Maybe we want to test out new channels, test out new audiences. Um, what kind of experiments can we do? Help, basically. First of all, it sounds like a really cool job. Um, <laughs> like, sounds like a lot of fun. Um, and, but second of all, like, I can imagine that, like, most of the time, so I've, I've Please tell me, like, if if I'm like on the nose here, but like, I would imagine that there's kind of a a range of different kind of responses to your kind of your help. Like, I guess that some folks are more more able to kind of work with you and and, and execute with you on on your ideas, and and some maybe some that are more resistant. Would that be fair? Yeah, I mean, there are some people that just outright say no we don't agree, like, we don't think that you're wrong, which is always fun. There are then the people that are like, that sounds great, but I have no idea how to do that. We don't have the team. We're not ready. Mm -hmm. um, and some of them go, oh, that's cool. We'll do that next week and actually have the team to be able to deliver it. So the last two are the ones where we actually get to work with them. Um, sometimes they're like, yeah, we're, we're going to do it. It's going to be amazing. And then a few weeks down the line, they were like, so that thing that we said we were going to do, and it's amazing, it turns out it's actually quite difficult. Maybe if you could just like solve this little piece, then we're fine. And then the other people who are like, we don't have the team to do it, we can't do it right now. Like maybe we actually send someone from our team to go and work with them. And the idea is every project should feel like you work at that company mm -hmm. because we're literally invested in them. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Uh, when... When do you decide that it's kind of time to step out? When do you, when do you say, okay, you got this, guys, like, you know, you're on your own now? 
it, it kind of feels a bit like parenting, I imagine, as not being a parent at all. Um, so <laughs> you can tell me if I'm totally wrong in a few years' time. But it, it's kind of at the stage where, you know, you explain something and they're able to explain it to someone else. Um, I like to see that as a really good sign. Like if someone can explain it to somebody else, that means they really truly understand it. And also when you're kind of talking about ideas for tests and you notice that they're suggesting you know, as many things as you are, and they're really starting to get into that flow. Mm -hmm. That's when I feel like, you know, you're ready to, to take that over. And normally we try and do it where it's like a gradual thing where they just take more and more ownership um, and you kind of empower them to really own um, that area. And maybe you move on to something else or maybe, uh, you know, you move out, fade out completely. Amazing. Uh, I'll let you know in a couple of years if you're right, okay? Um, I have like a little bit of a follow-up question. Um, Luke, you have so much experience. I'm, I'm so impressed because you work at many startups that we all know. Yababa, Azana Rebel, Art Night, I mean now Project A, Wonderbly, that is one of my favorite companies actually. Um, so you've seen it all and you experimented with a lot of channels. Actually, you're one of the few people probably that have a lot of experience on paid content as well. Um, so I think we exchanged a lot of notes on that. And when it comes to like growing startups, especially now that you're working in Project A, you know, there's always this like kind of like little fight um, about paid channels and organic channels. Um, a lot of people think that you cannot do both and you need to choose. Um, some people say, you know, maybe work on paid, but then invest on like long-term activities like SEO, like ASO, especially now in your role. What is your take? How do you actually pick a side if you have to pick? How do you do both? What do you think about this topic? I think the great thing is, is that we, like obviously I'm part of a team. Um, we, we have a team that's specifically focused on like CRM, like social media content and stuff like that. So what's really nice is we try to approach it that we try to do both at the same time. So while you're you know, launching the, the paid content, while you're running all of these campaigns, you're also setting up CRM to be able to really capitalize on the customer lifetime value of those customers. You're also trying to build up the organic side. So you can see that really nicely in a company like Trade Republic, which was actually like the first project I did um, when I moved to Project A, where when we first started, they were you know, a marketing-led company. They spent a, a very large amount on uh, performance marketing. And then later on, you saw them growing more and more their organic side, doing these huge advent calendar campaigns, doing all of this um, product-led growth. And you see this year with their like Zinsen product that they released, that was an entirely organic launch. Um, and that was really amazing uh, to see that you, know, you can make that transition over basically a one to two year process to really start to drive the organic side to balance it out and just to be much more sustainable in that way. Yeah, I love that. And you mentioned something interesting, product-led growth and ASO. And I think in one of the episodes of your podcast, we'll talk about it later, um, you mentioned about this, like actually using app store optimization and like what people are looking for to maybe develop keywords on the product side, right? Sorry, feature, not keywords. Yeah, exactly. I think... You know, in the, in the past, a lot of people would do all of these focus groups and things like that. And now you have the ability to use things like app store optimization or SEO or any of these kind of areas to actually start to deep dive what people really care about 
and then use other tools to experiment with what that looks like. Um, so, you know, if people are really starting to search for a certain feature that you don't currently have and you're starting to show up for that, then that actually can be the start of a development where you make an MVP, maybe you test like a, a waiting list um, campaign for that product. And that's something that we've done with a lot of companies also where, you know, they're only available in a certain area or one country. We'll also start to test it in other countries, make it available organically and see what the demand is before we start to release as well. Yeah, I love it. I have one last wild question to ask you. Can I? Go for it. Can you engineer Apple featuring? So, and do you think that it still has a big impact? Just asking because I talked about this today, so. I mean, do I think you can engineer it? Yes, I do. Um, I think it's very difficult and it's basically like engineering PR. Like, I think of featuring as being basically the, the digital version of PR for apps, because basically you're getting featured for something amazing that you've done, a feature that's really unusual, um, or an audience that's not commonly focused on. Um, and I think that that can work really well, but it's very difficult to engineer and it's very temporary. And I don't think that the impact is as big as it used to be. Um, I think in the past, you'd get a huge amount of organic downloads and a long time cycle afterwards. And I don't see that to be so much the case anymore. Yeah, I agree. I think like uh, the app of the day still has a little bit of impact. Anything else is like almost that, so. Yeah, I mean, we, we got really excited last year and this uh, might come into one of the nightmares later. Uh, we got really excited last year because we got featured during Ramadan um, for one of our apps and it got like us a rankings boost and we were very excited and then we looked at the impact on the downloads and just kind of like sad laughed it's like oh my god guys we've got an extra 100 downloads this week by being <laughs> featured like this is really not changing the world i know i can imagine um so just before we go to yeah. the nightmare um i like on the topic of investing um jessica didn't you uh, make an investment of your own recently yeah, I'm, uh, I'm one of these people now, the people that invest in companies, you know, like, um, yeah, you know, I have a full-time job and a daughter and a husband and a dog and I thought like, let's add some more stuff on the table. Just thought you weren't busy enough. Yeah. So a couple of months ago, together with some friends, we saw an app that was going bankrupt and we bought it. And the app is called Mellow and is an app for parents to meet other parents around you. So could you, could you restate that? Maybe spell it? M-E-L-L-O. M-E-L-L-O, yeah, Mello. Mello. Um, and yeah, it's, a, it's an amazing tool. And to be honest, I invested because um, as being, being a parent, expat parents in a place where I don't speak the language, um, it's been a bit hard, to be honest, to like, um, find other parents or similar people to me. Um, and yeah, I just believe in, I just believe in this and the power of like, building a support network. And so we got it. I'm doing that. It's active in Berlin. If you are a parent, check it out. Uh, but it's pretty fun and I love because, you know, during the day, I do this massive campaign in the US. And then in the evening, I have a Slack bot that tells me whenever there's a new user that comes to the app. And yeah. I'm like, yeah. Nice. So it, re it feels really nice to be at that level. I like it. Cool. So you're working on a, it's a kind of a turnaround project, right? You're taking a, a bankrupt app and, and kind of re-energizing it with your, your marketing know-how. 
Let's see. Let's see how it goes. Guys, you have to see the TikToks. Like, <laughs> no, stop it. I stopped making the TikToks because I feel my husband was so like, it was like, I cannot even see them. <laughs> I, I was like, Jessica, when are you filming all of these? And she's like, I just sit down and I just film like 10 of them back to back. I'm like, okay, okay, that makes sense. You need to optimize. You need uh, to yeah. optimize. Time oh, yeah. optimization. <laughs> A lot of fun. But yeah, okay, let's move to the core of our podcast because behind every success, there are multiple mistakes. Multiple mistakes. Multiple mistakes, a lot of that. And sometimes you learn more from the successes than from... No, from the from failures. The, <laughs> from the failures. Oh my God, I'm not prepared. So, you know, especially in the conferences, we're used to hear about the successes. But Luke, I know that you fucked it up multiple times. I'm pretty sure about that. I need to stop telling you about them. <laughs> you need to stop being honest. So maybe we're going to have time for either two of them. Let's see. But like, tell me about one time when you made a mistake. And most importantly, what did you learn from that? Yeah, I mean, as we're at an ASO conference, I'll start with the, with the one from App Store Optimization. So last year, um, I pitched the concept of doing App Store Optimization for, for one of our app companies within the portfolio. I can talk about them because they're bankrupt now, but that's not the nightmare. Uh, Oops. That would have been a real fuck up. Uh, but yeah, I basically pitched the idea of doing app store optimization for our grocery delivery company, Yababa. And basically what, they, what their kind of USP was is that their uh, grocery deliveries specifically focused on the Turkish and Middle Eastern uh, expat community within Germany obviously a very large community and we thought that we would be able to generate a series of these businesses focusing on underserved groups in different countries and it it went really well in berlin uh, and so we decided you know we'd we'd launch all over the country and we'd also focus on app store optimization and that we could rank and be the number one ranking company for a bunch of specific niche keywords that would really resonate with this audience so I sat down and I did one of the most unusual keyword researches I've done so far because it was partially in German, partially in Turkish, and partially in Arabic. And if you can imagine trying to work out like which keywords you're ranking for in Google Sheets in Arabic, doing like a column with the Google Translate of Arabic, it was, it was a mess. Um, but we were like, okay, there are a couple of terms we want, really want to focus on. We really want to focus on ranking for halal. Um, because this was one of the main differentiators was that all of the food on the platform was halal. So we decided we would rank for this. And we got to ranking second behind the Quran, which is a little bit hard to beat, um, being like the, the holy Bible for, for Islamic people. Um, so we decided that was, that was a pretty good goal. And we focused on then like a series of other keywords to get our rankings up. And we ended up at number 11 for the food category in Germany. So number 11 category ranking. Yeah, just behind gorillas. I know this because I got asked at like midnight by the founder, can you send me a screenshot of the ranking right now so I can put it in the board slides for tomorrow? I'm so excited. So we're hyped. We're getting a lot of downloads. Like we're really scaling up within the, within the markets. Like we're really ranking very well. We're starting to think about, you know, can we localize to Turkish? Can we localize to Arabic? For the next launch market, which is gonna be France, like how are we gonna do that? And then I start looking at the ranking going down and I'm like, what's, what's going on? And 
I went back into the paid channel, which I haven't really been focusing on because I've been focusing on ASO for the last couple of weeks. And they've slashed the budget. Not like they've slashed the budget a little bit, as in the budget has been completely decimated. And they're like, yeah, so we decided to only focus on one area for now, so we've dropped the budgets everywhere else. And so we're trying to rank for the whole of Germany, but we're only really getting users in Berlin. So our ranking goes from 11th and free falls to 150th and never comes back. Ouch. And because, you know, I spent the, the weeks preparing for this kind of thing, I didn't think about asking, are we also going to maintain the kind of download velocity? And obviously that's the main factor. Like you can rank as well as you like for keywords, but if the download velocity doesn't continue, you, you crash out. That's, yeah. that's the law, everyone knows. But I didn't think about the fact that I had to state that and remind them of this. Mm -hmm. uh, so they just thought, hey, we're doing really well organically, um, and we're ranking really high, so it doesn't matter if we cut the budgets. Okay. We're doing ASO now, we can yeah, save yeah, a bunch yeah. of money on ads. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Now, now that we rank organically, we'll just get a million downloads a month, and it'll be fine. So yeah, that was, that was fun, that was an adventure. Um, I had to explain to them exactly why that was not gonna work out. Uh, immediately after their board meeting, which was fun. Um, so yeah. Oh, so, um, so the learning there, if I can just sort of try to synthesize that, the learning is not to make any assumptions about <laughs> the knowledge within the team that you're advising, maybe? Yeah. Or? I think partially that, and partially, you know, don't get, like, too locked into just the, mm. the thing you're trying to improve, like the, the metric that I was trying to improve. Mm -hmm. I just obsessed over those yeah. things. And I didn't think about, you know, I didn't try and maintain the other factors that were going into it. I just kind of assumed they would stay flat and they assumed that I would take over now, like the organic side would take over now. Mm. Yep. So, you know. So it's like, keep an eye on the bigger picture. Exactly. Don't, don't zoom in too far. Yeah. yeah. Always important. I love, I love this story. And so that's a, that's a pretty solid nightmare. And, and you said for unrelated reasons, they're now bankrupt. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's absolutely not due to that. It's nothing to do with Luke. Yeah, yeah. They, they, they just, when asked in the press, uh, you know, why, why they were bankrupt, they just put up a photo of my face. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I get really good SEO now, so that's really all that matters. There's no, you know, there is no bad press, right? So, yeah, makes sense. True, true. Do we have time for another nightmare? Uh, what, what time are we on now? It's 5-2? It's like 5 now. It's 5, yeah, we have time. For, 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 uh, a, a I want to hear more because if I feel like you a have a quick second nightmare. Stuff. I mean, I think I think Luke's Luke's got some real gold here. Yeah, I think yeah, we yeah. Keep we digging. can stay here all night. No, we don't. We want to go drink after this, but like maybe another I, one. I might need a drink after this. Um, so, Jessica said earlier that one of her favorite companies I worked at was Wonderbly. Um, they're a personalized book company um, from London. Uh, if you need a present for your children, grandchildren, siblings, or any child in your life. It's a very easy to make gift. It's very affordable I, and it's I literally adults. do it for everyone. Yeah. Every person that has a kid, that's where I go. Yeah, yeah. I, I, for some of my friends who have kids, I've just ordered three. And then I just, they just arrive hand, like hand delivered. And they're like, oh my God, it's so thoughtful. And I'm like, yes, I prepared this. <laughs> just, just recently, I did not stack them up in my house. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a very cute present. Um, and it's actually where I started my uh, paid marketing journey. 
So I did my training. I started on like 200 euros a day budget. And by the end of the year, we were spending 250,000 a day. Wow. Um, so it was a good year. And I kind of got told that, you know, I should be inspired to think outside of the box. So three days in to working at this company, I've, I've moved to Berlin from London. Um, I've moved in with my uh, new colleague who I've never met before. Um, and I'm starting to work in marketing. And day three, I'm like, guys, we're only targeting like eight markets in the world. Like the US, yeah, sure, UK, Germany, France, a couple of others. Like, what about the rest of the world? Like, what about Asia and all of these other markets? And they're like, well, we don't have the languages for that. And I'm like, well, why don't we just target English? So we did that. We targeted English in Southeast Asia, amazing. We targeted English all over Europe, um, amazing. It was great. We were basically targeting expats everywhere that no one's normally targeting because they're normally targeting the main languages of the, the countries. I'm very excited. And then I was like, what about Spanish? Like, there's a whole continent in South America where we could be targeting. Let's do Spanish. And so I ask if this is okay, if we can run this test. And they're like, yeah, sure. Like, small budget, don't go too crazy. Acquisition costs are amazing. I'm very excited. So I ask if I can spend a little bit more. They say, sure. So I'm spending like a thousand a day. But they don't realize that I'm acquiring people for five pounds per person. So I'm acquiring a lot of people. And at the end of two or three weeks, I get a very angry phone call from the CFO who's saying, Luke, how many orders did you do in Mexico? Oops. And I'm like, I'm really happy because I, I think he's like hyped. Yeah, because, he's going to give you a promotion yeah, yeah. right yeah, away. Yeah. He is because like, he's like, you know, the acquisition costs are amazing. You're going to, you know, you're going to turn around the business. It's going to be incredible. No, he's pissed because we only plan to do a thousand orders in Mexico the whole year. And I did them in a few weeks by mistake, objectively. And it turns out we didn't negotiate logistics for South America. So we're paying like Royal Mail UK wow. to send them to Mexico at 50 euros a book. Oh my gosh. And the book costs 25 euros. So we're losing quite some money on every order. And I've just done a thousand. My gosh, that's tough. So he goes, turn it off right now. And I'm like, okay, cool. So I turn off the campaigns and he's like, and there won't be any more orders, right? And I'm like, <laughs> well, normally there's a, there's a bit of, you know, like uh, there'll be people that saw it yesterday and the day before. And the next day there's even more orders. My God. So yeah, he, he never actually um, Especially when I suggested that the answer was to build a print house in Mexico. Um, <laughs> yeah, why not? I, I thought that was great, but apparently that's very expensive and very complicated. Um, but I managed to get us to get a deal for it. We did South America and it was eventually fine. But okay. he kind of didn't look at me for the next <laughs> few months. And I got some very, very worded notice that... I had to get it in signed agreement before I launched any other countries, uh, which was imagine. fair. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, you, you did your job, right? You got them the, the orders. You, you're not in charge of logistics specifically. At, at this point, I was basically a professional gambler because I didn't really, <laughs> like all I'd been told was just like, make this number go up and make this number go down. We don't care how you do it. And so I was basically you just like, 
okay, slot machine, and I do this, and I pull this, and I do that, and I do this, and this is all I thought about, it would be like 4 a.m., and I'd queue for a club in Berlin, and I'd be like, I'm just going to check what EPA is. Maybe, <laughs> maybe I can make some changes. So really, they created a monster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but it worked out in the end. I love that. But I also love the fact that it doesn't happen so often, especially us working in the digital world, like that you, ha you had a physical product. And there's so many more variables, right? When you work with like something physical that you have to send. We, we actually had a bunch of other nightmares there, which were pretty fun. So we had, like, you have this personalized book. Each of the letters is related yeah. to the, the kid's name. One of them is Angel. If you have an A in your name, you can have the letter, you can have yeah. a character of an angel. So we sold the books in Dubai and Qatar, which are Islamic countries. And we got banned from the country officially. No. Yes officially banned from the countries and considered like a company like non grata because we were and i quote religious propaganda my gosh that's rich yeah it was it was fun in the us we got the opposite which is the angel has a tattoo and so we got christian <laughs> groups saying that we were like destroying the image corrupting of, morality yeah corrupting morality so you know you really can't win What okay. did you change the A for? Oh no, we just oh, we just we just kept it, and people started ordering them to other countries and then getting them shipped. Uh, yeah, so you know, we we just became the bad boys of personalized books, I guess. <laughs> I was just thinking because I was like, oh, my my daughter's name is Zelda. Oh, I don't have a I don't have an angel because the book is in Italian, so it's eagle that is Aquila. So yeah, never mind, never mind. Other stories. Okay. I guess okay. we need to move on. We're, yeah, we're pretty much out of time. I'm sure everyone wants to get a, get a drink. Uh, ever, thank you, by the way, for, for, for being so patient on a beautiful summer's evening. Um, I think we have time just for a very, very quick, brilliant or bullshit section. It's a very short one today. It's, like, it's a very simple, basically a one-liner. The jingle. We have to do the jingle. Brilliant, brilliant or bullshit. bullshit. <laughs> okay, good. There we go. We're, we were in tune today, I think. <laughs> I know. It's a... Okay, so for those of you who are not familiar with our brilliant or bullshit round, um, we ask our guest to take a polarized position, um, you know, very for or very against, but not sitting on the fence, um, around a, a topical um, news article. So uh, there was some big news, it was actually kind of like from last week, um, the EU regulator in Ireland uh, fined Meta $1.3 billion for um, violations of the GDPR, um, you know, basically like privacy regulation stuff. Um, it's probably the first time ever that a regulator has imposed a somewhat significant fine on, uh, on a company of that, that kind of size. Um, what do you think about it, Luke? I'm, I'm going with bullshit. Bullshit? I'm going with bullshit primarily because it's the, the Irish ministry doing it. So they're the mm. ones that have given different tax rules tax breaks. to Meta, to Facebook, to Amazon, specifically only if they're in Ireland. Yep. They basically pay no tax at all, but in return, they get some big, some big deals and a huge economy boost. And then they're like, well, that's nice, taking from that side. But then at the same time, <laughs> we're going to fine you on the other side. So it's like they can't decide whether they want to screw them or befriend them. So... It feels a little bit unfair. Um, it feels like they're, they're drinking from, from both sides. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna, go, I'm gonna go with bullshit from them. 
That's 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 a very nuanced response. I I do actually. I totally get you on the, the the tax breaks thing. You know, they've got a bunch of companies there that they've attracted with these, these tax breaks. Um, you know, I actually think even in this article, the regulator almost seems apologetic. So it's like, oh, I have to enforce the law. This is how the law is at the moment. It's like almost basically like saying, oh, like we unless we, we change it later. Yeah, exactly. We might change it for you if you stay in Ireland. <laughs> maybe maybe you can get a refund later or get it paid back in installments. Yeah. So. Nevertheless, I'm going to say, I still think it's brilliant that they got fined $1.3 billion because like, they're just like completely riding roughshod over privacy regulation. Um, I think you, you made some valid points about Ireland, but like, seriously, like, you know, if they're going to kind of just ignore GDPR for, for, you know, for a considerable amount of time, then fuck them. They should, they should get fined even more. That's also fair. <laughs> if it had been Germany, I would have gone for it. Fair play. Jessica, any final thoughts on that? Uh... Just because I, I hate GDPR, because then I cannot market anybody, I would say bullshit, but just because of that. But I, you know, I understand the importance of privacy, so politely I would say brilliant, but let me say bullshit just because... Well, this is really not like taking a polarized response. I know, I know. <laughs> she's basically saying she's a capitalist. That's, that's, her, that's her main message. I just want to market people. Like, just, 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 just let me do that. Yeah, but I you abide by the rules, right? That's the difference. And you would expect to get fined if you didn't. Yeah, it's true. You're right. Okay, okay. <laughs> then, then brilliant, okay? You got me. Okay, I think that's really uh, all we got time for today. Yeah, um, maybe Luke, tell us a bit more. Where can people find you? And tell us about your podcast, just one minute. Yeah, so I have a really easy to find name, Luke Costley White. Uh, you can find me on any social media with it. I'm the only one. Uh, and I release an episode of my podcast with Jessica in a couple of weeks' time on the Project A podcast. You can find it on Spotify, etc. Who has been your favorite guest so far in your podcast? So obviously the head of growth from Revolut um, was really great. The, the second guest, she was, yeah, you know, so-so. Don't no. listen to him. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much, Luke. It was a pleasure. Thank you, Thanks, everyone. Luke. Let's go have a drink. Thanks, right. Thanks. It's, uh, it's drink time. Thank you, everyone. What marketing mess is keeping you up at night? Send us your problems, questions, failures, and we'll discuss them on the show. Or if you want to be here with us and share your fuck-ups with our audience, be our guest. The kind of things that we're looking for like uh, could be bad decisions that keep on um, haunting you, like things that you've done in the past, like technical debt or you know other kinds of like mistakes which you're worried are, are going to kind of come back and bite you. Um, could be worries about the future, a nightmare that you're having about some, some future growth um, event that could occur. Um, could be a nightmare setup that you have no control over, like a client or a new employer that has a terrible analytics setup. Um, could be nightmare processes. Um, could be something that was initially thought of and touted as a success, but actually you were reading all the signals wrong and it actually turned out that it was actually a nightmare. Um, yeah, all of those things and anything else that's related to growth and nightmares. So if you have something like this, send us an email to hello at mgnpodcast.com. Hello at mgnpodcast.com. See you next time. Cheers.